Hello everybody, welcome to the Scottish Rugby Podcast brought to you by the Scottish Rugby Blog. I am Cammy Black. Um, we have got a very special episode for you this evening. Um, you can't fail to have noticed anyone that follows Scottish Rugby that it is the TikTok Six Nations are kicking off this weekend. Uh, joining me as always, I've got Craig Manson. Hello, Craig. Hello, all. How are you doing? And we're also delighted to be joined by Lisa Martin as well. Hello, Lisa. Hey, how are you doing, Tim? And Lisa, of course, uh, former Scotland National 50 caps, played for Ember Wanderers, Harriets, Sharks, Lille Metropole and Saracens. So um, so we're, we're looking forward to getting your uh, your views on, on the upcoming tournament, Lisa. Um, I was looking back and um, I think it was the 30, episode 36 of this podcast. We spoke to um, a young woman by the name of Rona Lloyd, who was doing some work with a charity called the School of Hard Knocks. Now, uh, Lisa, you're now, now involved with the School of Hard Knocks. So for, for people that, that maybe don't know, what what um, what kind of work do, do the School of Hard Knocks do? Um, so School of Hard Knocks is a sport for change charity. So we work with um, adults um, who are probably unemployed or are potentially have addiction backgrounds who are looking to get re-engaged in in the community, uh, whether that is actually getting back into employment or actually looking at their well-being, whether that be physical, mental, um, or even just like say re-engaging with the community again that they're that they're living in, and um, we are a long-term um, intervention. We work in schools for up to three years, um, where we are in weekly schools, being that little constant that they have there, giving them a period of uh, rugby outside, period of personal development, and a mentoring as well. So they get one-to-one sessions with us just to. See how they go into a bit of goal setting and um yeah we're probably working with kids who are really struggling at school so whether that's you know school just isn't a place that they enjoy so they just don't engage or you know they're, f- they're finding it tough just to like confident social um social skills stuff like that um as well so we're kind of a bit of a, a mixed bag of who we work with but yeah predominantly the main thing is we use rugby as a as a tool because it's it's given us and i'm sure it's given all of us guys here um so many good memories and so many good things that you know want to give these young people and, and adults uh, somewhere where they feel like they belong and then they can uh, create some memories and experiences and it's really interesting some of the the kind of interviews i've read with people who've been been through the program or have encountered it just a lot of them maybe haven't experienced playing rugby before uh, but have come away with kind of really positive experiences of the confidence it gives them and is that is that what it's about kind of giving them kind of a, the kind of the physical outlet I guess and also the kind of the, the closeness of a team yeah I think that it's the main thing like I say it makes them feel part of something that maybe they haven't felt a part of before um where our big thing is like we try and work around our least thing called the five c's that we work with so it's all about like confidence communication commitment cohesion and control so yeah like, obviously cohesion is a key one there especially for for these young kids and adults as well because these guys are coming from completely different areas different backgrounds and you know for the adults course it's only an eight-week program so day one these guys have barely even touched rugby ball and then by the end of the program we're ex- like we've got them a full contact game against the local team so it's a pretty pretty sharp turnaround especially for those adults to go from absolute strangers day one to eight weeks down the line they're pulling on a strip together as a team working together and um yeah to get to play a bit of rugby you know and if they continue that fabulous if they don't, I mean, it's not the end of the world. At least you tried something. Yeah, fantastic, fantastic stuff. Now, um, you mentioned the four C's there. Um, I think I suspect they'll we, we may revisit them during this kind of preview because they're, they're fairly key to to a good rugby performance. Um, obviously, it's the, it's the TikTok Six Nations uh, kicking off. Craig, um, we've we've seen the women's squad announced. We've got the the team out for uh, England. It's a strange tournament. This I think because it's the first time we've got. Um, pretty much a full professional setup with every union, so it's it's quite a, kind of exciting in a way to kind of see what happens. Yeah, I, it's I'm I'm excited to see the progression because obviously um, England have a slight um, an interesting setup now because the the coaches announced their mate, the, the the driving force behind the team is moving on, so they've got to either they've also got the World Cup um, disappointment to get over, um, along with um, oh goodness the captain's name just gone right out of my head at the wrong point in time. Um, Sarah Hunter. Sarah Hunter, sorry. Um, I, I, 
<laughs> anyway, it's a different story. Um, but Sarah Hunter's last game um, up in up in her hometown uh, of, of Newcastle. So they've got a you know, especially this weekend, they've got a a, a big um, a big game coming out, uh, coming up to Newcastle. For we also have um, Wales who have had a year now of professionalism, and it's going to be interesting to see how they go. Um, and obviously, I'd like to see. I'm hoping to see a progression from Scotland because they've obviously. A very very small amount of time as full professionals, but um, you know, it's 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 going to be interesting to see how that goes as well. So, yeah, I'm I'm really excited actually. And from your point of view, Lisa, obviously you you've spent more time, I guess, around um professional rugby setups and women's rugby than um a lot of the players in the current Scotland squad will have done because it's it is relatively new. But but for you, what what do you do you think we'll see a kind of a, a, a big kind of step forward this season, or do you think it'll it'll maybe take a couple more years to to bed in and 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 uh, see kind of the rise, the kind of competitiveness, I suppose, of the tournament um, start to come in a bit more? Um, I think it might take a couple of years for it to be to see all the changes that we made that comes with you know the the thing of being professional. I think the biggest thing that's going to be different is is that rest period that people are allowed to have now. So instead of like obviously you're training, working, there is no really switch off. You're actually able to solely focus on rugby and also listen to your body a bit more. But I think yeah, like we will see definitely see a significantly lot closer matches. But you see, England and, and France have had these professional setups for for a number of years now. So it's they're very much a lot of these guys are in the swing of things. Yeah, obviously off the back of the World Cup, you've got a few new girls um, popping in on 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 both these squads, but there's the the professional setup they've had is so so has so much longevity there and obviously alongside the club setup as well but i think yeah like this this year's tiktok six nations well you will see differences you will see that games are closer there's more competitiveness to it but i think to see the full impact of a professional program it will probably take a couple of years down the line how how important is that rest period i suppose now um because it has been i know we i think brian Eason was talking about um, initially, before the professionalism came in, that the you know the, the SRU wanting to give the players, um, I suppose, relieve the burden a little bit with studying and work and do whatever they could to support them. And now, now it's different because it's they're in a, that kind of fully professional setup. They've and Rachel Malcolm was talking, I think, last week about the fact that Aaron Walsh, who'd been doing work with with the men's team, has, has come in and done mental skills coaching. You know, as as a player, does that kind of give give you a little bit more freedom a little bit more kind of mental space i suppose that how much of an impact does that have on you as a player i think yeah it definitely impacts women with the mental side of things like i say if you're trying to in essence try and live two lives before these contracts came in you had your your nine to five job which basically paid your bills and and everything and then you've got to then after that be a professional athlete from like six till till nine o'clock at night or whatever it might be so it was, there was no real mental switch off of like, okay, I can just chill, I can relax. Are, so I think that's the biggest thing is actually having the ability to sit down and actually take stock of, you know, okay, how's my training going? Okay, training's going really good. Let's listen to my body. Okay, well, maybe I need a little bit of rest. And having the ability, like you said, to have Aaron Walsh come in, we have this contact time where we can look at other things outside of the stuff we see on the pitch. And I think that is going to be the massive difference again as well is like, these little one percenters that everyone talks about of this mental skills coming in all the rest and recovery that they're doing i, I saw the girls were doing yoga this week as well and those little extra little things will help them on the pitch and probably more importantly off the pitch as well because at the end of the day happy people make happy like make good players so if these guys are feeling good off the pitch you're going to see the results when it comes to to the game at the weekend and craig i suppose that the, the other side of this is that Obviously, now that we've we've got the the twenty eight professional contracts, as a lot of the players have gone to England, but but they've been able to come back together and play those games for the Thistles as the kind of water, the warm up. So I, I guess the, the other kind of benefit to this is just that time together and how much that will mean to you know. Whereas before you'd be coming in off the back of a some players might not have played for a while and and, and may not have played with one another for for a, for a period of time, but now. Will be will be much more familiar with one another, even than even the newer players who are kind of we've got a few new caps I think on Saturday, but even the newer players will be much more familiar with the systems and with each other. Yeah, I, I, there's there's absolutely um, no 
substitute for for a length of time in camp together. Um, the team has to bond as as much, especially with some some new players coming in. Um, I know that the, the 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 squad itself was, you know, there was quite a lot of new players have come in, um, uh, and 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 so having them a first of all getting the chance and the time to come into Scotland camp and understand what the the the, the coaching team are looking for, but also just getting to know each other because obviously you know what what we've all been exposed to with the with with TikTok coming out coming on board and over the last year um i'm sure it's not been all doom and gloom and all of a sudden TikTok came along and it's all looking fun but it's it's it, it the 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 uh what's the word the, the how the, the team has communicated with the outside and, and and communicated to younger players players who who play rugby all over scotland and also all around the world on tiktok is showing that they're having a lot of fun which equates to hopefully they're a lot more relaxed and and and, they, and they're, they're able to take more of the systems in and they're able to to then hopefully put that onto the pitch so i think um just the just to say, there's, there's no substitute for being being in camp and being together as a team as long as they possibly can. I yeah, it's really interesting. They said, like like Craig's saying about you know TikTok and you know hopefully the Chinese government aren't listening to this. Hopefully they've got better things to do. Um, <laughs> but that that idea that you know the players are much more visible. I think certainly over the last couple of seasons. And and as Craig said, I mean we've we've talked about this on the podcast before that the social media stuff coming out of the the women's team is. Is, is head and shoulders above the kind of stuff you get from professional men's setups just in terms of being interesting and engaging. For, for you, when you started as a player, I mean, I, I, back in 2010, obviously social media probably wasn't as big a thing, but but were there kind of women's players that kind of in the media or, or, or was it just something that you kind of came to rugby kind of through the club and, and found your way to the national Or was there kind of inspiring women that, were visible at the time? Um, I think, again, like you say, social media wasn't really a massive thing back back in my day. Um, <laughs> so it was very much all written media and you wouldn't really get too much. So I, I was just really lucky that I had a lot of coaches who came in um, who were, again, inspiring role models through that. So like your, your Rona Shepherds, your Beth McLeods, um, your Paula Chalmers, these, these are the guys that were coaching me and I was, I was playing with week in, week out. And they were the guys that were inspiring and kind of, so you were seeing them as you were doing it. Whereas now, like you say, with TikTok and everything, you're seeing a personality for, for off, like for quite a while, it was very much, you'd go to media and, okay, these are your cue points. This is what you say. This is what you don't say. If they ask you a question you don't like, just go this way. Whereas now I think the fact we're able to see personalities is making the game so interesting because I mean, you look at your, your folks like your Joe Marlers, um, who are might be a little bit divisive to some, but he shows a personality and is making people engaged who maybe aren't engaged in the rugby, they're more engaged in the personalities. And if that gets them in to, involved and they're getting watched in the game, then that's that's a win there. So yeah, I think having TikTok come in and then pushing that platform so much, I think has made a massive difference, especially for the younger generation who, I mean, TikTok is basically their life, to be honest. Yeah, there's Anna, 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 one of our regulars saying, I can't believe no one harnessed the power of MySpace to inspire players back in time. I'm not sure. <laughs> I don't think I don't I was gonna I was gonna go down the route of Bebo, but uh, oh, Bebo, no. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we've all seen we've all seen Stuart Hogg's Bebo photos. Oh dear, no, those things need to be buried, buried far away. <laughs> so Craig, I mean we're looking looking ahead to the tournament then. Um and you know, looking at that Scotland squad, I suppose for a long time that the squad itself, I think certainly over the, over the past few seasons, it has been fairly static. But now we are seeing a lot more movement of players, and that's got to be a good thing for Scotland, I guess, because because there's more competition for places. Yeah, I think I think you know, and and, and Lisa will answer this far better than I can. But um, the if you look at the squad, well, if you look at the squad for the gate for the game for the weekend, um, there's probably what four or five players that are coming from Edinburgh Uni or from from um, uh, the Prem, and the rest are coming from a professional, well, a semi-professional setup and professional setup, and uh, in the in the uh, uh, in the, the the Premiership 15. So 
obviously the, the, there's going to be a, they're going to get a um, what's the word they're going to be fitter, stronger. You know their skills are going to be heightened, hopefully, and and they're going to really have a a, a strong strong squad. When it when it we talked about this, I think before in the pod though, and and one of my observations was the fact that yes, um, the professional contracts are coming out, but I would like to see more of the the younger players coming through, and that seems to be what's happening, which is which is fantastic, and 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 I'm not saying that that. We, we get rid of the older players. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is it, we've got to see this progression because if if not, we end up like the the Wales men's team where we're playing, you know, we're, we're struggling to find new blood coming through um, to bring in a new player or a couple of new players per, per, per Six Nations, you know. Um, uh, so I'm really, really pleased that there's, there's some players getting chances um, and I, I really think it's, it's worthwhile. It's great to see, especially... Um, seeing both Francesca, Francesca and Beth Black coming, getting straight into the squad. Um, uh, actually, I'm just I think is it is it Corey? Actually, Corey and Grant's straight in the squad, and I think Beth Black's on the bench. But um, I think it's uh, it's really good to see them coming straight into the squad and it's uh, and getting a chance straight away against you know what we'd probably say the best in the world or second best in the world. Was that something, Lisa? That that when when I mean. It feels like there's been such a kind of acceleration in the in the kind of development of the Scotland side since professionalism and then and over the last couple of seasons. But but certainly since since you were playing, from from memory, it did feel like you know the 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 play the the squad was fairly settled for a number of years. Did, what did you feel there was kind of a lot of competition a couple of seasons ago compared to what you think you see now? Um, yeah, I think there was. Um, again, like you say, for a while there was a quite a settled. A settled team but again that was also potentially because we just really lacked some depth in like certain positions so we just had to whoever we had we we're just like please just get through 80 minutes um but i think like you say now seeing that you know we know how key it is that means the blood players and especially off the back of a world cup cycle we've got three years until the next one i think it's really key in the next year too that we're seeing these young players come through and we're seeing competition because complacency doesn't make a good international play. You don't want to get comfy in New Jersey. You want to be pushed. You want to be um, want to get pushed by someone to be better and to keep earning your jersey week in week out. Um, but like you say, seeing some of these younger girls come through is great. Um, but yeah, I think it'll be I'll say, say play up first game for some of these girls playing against the current number one ranked team in the world is going to be a bit of a shock to some. But I think it's one of those things where you need these guys to get experience. And so you can be able to trust them when big games come along down the line. So I think it's basically a case of like, okay, put them in and they're they're just going to have to just go for it, to be honest, and show why they've been chosen to be here. Um, but yeah, I think it's good to see like a couple of changes. Obviously, some of them are, are enforced due to injury and things like that. But actually, it's exciting to see some names coming through. Cause I think for a while, we were a bit worried of like, who's who the next player's coming through because we didn't, we didn't really have like the future set up or a thistle set up. It was very much you basically went from like regional age grade and then you're like here go straight into international rugby, which is a massive jump. So you sometimes lose a few players because it's a bit like okay, that's a bit too much for me. But seeing like you say, seeing how many of these girls have come through the thistle set up over this past season is great. And to see them step up into into TikTok Six Nations, I think it's gonna be great to see how they flourish and how, how they cope in, in this environment. How, how sorry, sorry, Carmen, can I ask a quick question? How did you find then, um, because you were, you know, you were one of the f- first group of players to go professional, if I'm right, and say when you went out to France, mm-hmm. um, how did you find the step up? Because, you know, obviously you were playing Prem rugby for a, a fair bit of time, um, and then you got, you know, you, you earned your opportunity to go professional. How did you, how did you find the difference, or was there a big difference? Yeah, there's a massive difference. I think, like I said before, you were just solely able to focus just on rugby. So before, when I was playing for um, DMP Sharks, I was still living in Edinburgh having to commute down on Thursdays on a train. And like that just took its toll on you. So not mm. having to have that constant commute or, like I say, having to switch back into work mode, actually being able to basically tailor your own programme was great. And, and because out in France, they train on a pitch three times a week. So, which is obviously a completely different task, guys, over here, which is usually Tuesday, Thursday, rugby nights. 
those were Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and you were on the pitch for like two hours. Yeah. Um, but it was a it was a massive difference. Like to start with, it was a body it was a bit like, oh, hold up, Peter, what you didn't love. Um, but when, once you got into it, it actually you got in the rhythm of like, okay, I know on this day I'm doing this, and then you could sort your food around it, you could sort your sleep around it, and having it as your sole focus was just, I mean, it's something that I, I think I've dreamed of having since I was like about ten years old. Suddenly be able to do it at the a grand old age of a little bit older than that um, <laughs> was great. But yeah, that it, it, you do notice like the first few weeks is a massive difference because let's like, say your body's just not used to it. But once it settles into it, it's actually it, it's a great career to be fair. It's brilliant. I re- highly recommend to everybody. And is it, I mean, is this setup in France kind of diff- different to the setup in England then? The way that they would treat kind of women's professional rugby, is it much more you, you've got your nutritionist, you've got the kind of the, the, the you know, different coaches around you compared to, say, I guess the, the Prem 15s, which would then have been a step up from, from Scotland? What was there, a, was there a difference? Um, yeah, so I think in France, um, it was very much, it was quite blase at points so like yeah we'll just go we, we just go play rugby we play rugby it's great fun um but then you have like certain girls who were like you'd have so we, at the time we had gabrielle verney playing for us um who's obviously the, the, the french 13 at the minute and she again obviously so she had a pro contract but then you've got girls there who are playing university stuff who are just kind of like yeah i'm just here for the social it's great fun so it was quite hard to get that mix there but they still had like all the video analysis and stuff had an s and c coach SNC is not taken very seriously in France. They're like, here's a session, turn up if you want. So um, when I was over there, it was myself and Chloe Rowley were over there at the same time. So we were just like, I mean, you play rugby, you go to the gym three times a week. This is how we have lived. So we did that and we turn up and it literally be like four girls in the gym and we're like, what is this? But then, yeah, you go, you go to a club like Saracens and you've got a lot, four coaches, you've got about six different physios, video analyst, media, kit man, um, and everything like and you've even got I think the biggest thing was the support you had off the pitch so we had like mentors who would come and speak to us and just be like okay what what do you want to do yourself post rugby what do you do outside rugby can we help you how can we make sure that you're still happy doing everything there as well as on the pitch so I think yeah like France was a step up from from playing the premiership over here in Scotland but then again going up to the Alliance Premier 15s again is a massive step up from being in France as well just because of the because most of them are so linked in with um the men's side of things and the premiership men's teams there a lot of it trickles down so you had all these things available to you to use like the facilities coaches even access to some of that some of the players there that you could just you know have a wee chat with I'm kind of interested about the Saracens thing because I know you know <laughs> You know, there was a lot of talk around Saracens um, a few seasons ago, obviously. But that that's interesting, that kind of idea that you had the the outside support, the mentoring for your kind of post-career stuff. And, you, you, you know, we were talking earlier and you are saying about having that headspace, I guess, to, so you can just focus on rugby. So so I'm, I'm, I'm guessing that that's the next step up, isn't it? You know, you, you one step up as well. I'm not having to worry about the day job. I'm not having to worry about the bills. I can just focus on the rugby. But then to then have that pressure of well what happens next taken off you as well and, and have a club that provides you with a a career path must be pretty huge and, and be able to kind of keep keep that focus. Yeah, it's massive. I think again because the professional setup in, in the women's rugby is so in its infancy at the minute, we've never really had many people get to that point where like, okay, my contract's now done. Now what do I do with myself? A lot of the girls have had to previously go to uni, have jobs and stuff, so they could in theory just flip back into that but we're now getting girls who all they've ever known is a professional contract and they've just gone basically from high school or whatever straight into that and not have to worry about okay well how am I going to pay my bills how like what is my career going to be but yeah so having someone um, that we had I think I had about three or four of them at Saracens depending on kind of the industry you wanted to be in or just who was available was massive because they were able to put you in contact with people of like here okay you're interested in this Let's get you there for like a couple of days for a week or something and let you taste it. See if it's something you might like to do. Okay, maybe it's not. Okay, let's try something else. And just having that ability to kind of drop in and have a wee taster of each thing was actually really quite good. And even just to sit down and just be able to talk about, okay, I'm feeling like this. And them to be like, that's absolutely normal. Like a lot of people feel like this. It's absolutely fine to feel like this. 
we can just make steps and put them in place now to what we can do right now before it gets to that point because as we know rugby rugby can can stop at any moment as much as we'd love to you know be able to be like say 100 and pick your very last game and say okay this is me international will be done some of us don't have that luxury so having those plans at pace at an earlier age is it's huge and like i say it just takes that stress and worry off of you because you know that you've done like you've got the foundations already set that if that time does come you're like okay i know i'm good i'm ready to go and i can drop myself into an industry somewhere else yeah speaking i want to kind of talk about sarah hunter a little bit because it obviously it's, it's pretty huge greg to get to 37 i mean obviously we scotland with Don, donna kennedy who played the best part of three do you know i think just made three decades worth of rugby which is you know absolutely um remarkable but i think you know to to have come through a team like england you know as as you know superb as england and dominant as england have been and and get to do a, a sergio parisi and pick your final you know pick your final game and for it to be at kingston park you know where where she grew up playing rugby that that's a pretty huge occasion this weekend yeah and, and it's a sellout um and it's uh, you know it's it's i think i think um for sarah it'll be it'll be an amazing thing i hope it's an amazing thing i hope it's everything that she 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 wants in her last game or last international game um also just for 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 women's rugby as a whole you know we looked upon the 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 rugby, the rugby was played in the World Cup and the and the stadiums that were that were you know filling up and filling up and filling up with fans and I think this is where we all dream it's going to go um, and I think just having personalities like herself like <clears throat> um, being able to you know that's not just her friends and family that are coming to watch her you know it's a it's a it's a it's a a large, large group of fans who are coming to watch that specific game. There's no other game that they're that they're piggybacking it on or anything like that. It's 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 it's, it's own draw, and that is, is an absolutely fabulous thing. And I hope it's everything that she wants it to be for her final game. And and Lisa, this uh, someone earlier today when when I was talking about this game, we're kind of describing this as a bit of a. It almost feels like England's farewell tour at the Six Nations, and they've got a coach going. We've got Sarah Hunter retiring. There's there's a few players probably coming to the end of of their England careers that have been there for a while, and I guess it's the last hurrah before the other teams maybe do a little bit of catching up as well. So it's it's a, I guess on the one hand it's an opportunity for 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 teams like Scotland to give them a bit of a scare, but also it's a last chance, I suppose, for England to. To kind of go on on a on a high before maybe things start to change in the world. Yeah, I think so. Like you said, there's with Sarah Hunter obviously retiring as well. It's she it's a bit of a changing of the guards. Obviously, she's being named co-captain with Molly Packer, who again is bringing all that experience that she's got. But you're seeing them start to blood players again. Obviously, and we also know Simon Milsom's going to leave at the end of the Six Nations. But being able to see him actually bring in some players. He's blooded them really, really well, I think, over the past few seasons. And you're again, he's doing that again as a bit of a parting gift of here. Here's some more people we're going to give international experience to. So whoever comes on board can have this wide range of players and a lot of depth to go from. But yeah, I think there's going to be a lot. It's going to be a very emotionally charged match, like you say, for obviously all the stuff about Sarah retiring, of some of the girls who are maybe looking at this as like their last, potentially their year, three years before the World Cup in, in England is, is coming up. So obviously I know that's I've spoken to a few of the England girls. That's that's obviously the big goal of like this is good probably going to be my last hurrah is going to be that tournament. I was a tournament on home soil. I mean who will we don't want to finish on that. But um, yeah, I think it's going to be an interesting one to see how selection progresses over the tournament. Like if Simon's going to potentially stick with something, or if he's going to give lots of different combinations of shots. So again, whoever does come in and take over the reins can you know pick up a lot of of players who have been given this opportunity to have some international experience. And Craig, I mean we the England game last year, I was trying to remind myself of the score and the, the score was the score like the scoreboard wasn't great, but what what I remember about that game, and I think we we talked before it saying, well what what should Scotland be aiming to get out of that game? And we said, you know, a few good pa- good passages of play and to, you know keep, keep be be in the game. And for long periods they were, I mean for from memory 
a lot of those games, were, a lot of those kind of tries that England scored were breakaway tries. Scotland put England under quite a lot of pressure at the dam last season. So by no means is, I, I you know, it, it's hard to kind of see Scotland winning, but I think we, it, we'd hope to see them put England under the same amount of pressure, if, if not more this time around. Yeah, definitely. I, I was, you know, we're, we're all um, in, incredibly um, pleased to see the performance of the of of Scotland um, on that on that you know at that game because every, I get a little bit kind of hacked off because everyone talks about oh, England are just going to walk this and they're going to walk that and they're just going to do this and they're just going to do that and they don't really talk about very much about their opposing team unless it's France and 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 it, it gets it gets a it gets a little bit. Um, up my nose about that. I, I don't enjoy it because I think we do play some fantastic rugby, and 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 no matter when we play, if we're playing in the snow like we did about what three years ago, um, we had that game that was there was no um, there was no no um, uh, fans, and it was absolutely coming down a blizzard. It was a Monday, if I remember correctly, as well, was it not? Um, so it, it, you know, having those, you still get these nice little little bits of play but that game at the dam we held our own for the for at least a half um and 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 we we made england earn the win and i think for well for me as a rugby player that was always you know it started off in the front row you made the other front row earn his you know earn his um ability you know he wanted him to beat you because you wanted to push as hard as you can you want him to come and come at you with it with the, his full strength and i think i think everybody wants that to prove themselves against a strong a strong opponent you know and and Lisa, obviously you know as a player you go in into every game to win and and every team will have their their game plan of how they think to do it but how how do you prepare mentally as as a player for for playing a team like england who 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 have been so dominant for so long and and you know I think, you know it's been for a long time since Scotland have 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 matched them. How how do you you kind of mentally prepare for those sorts of games? Um, obviously it's it's quite difficult, but we've obviously got the whole history behind it, the whole Kolkata Cup, obviously thousands of years ago, the whole kind of oppression or whatever. Like there is a lot a lot of it does ride on emotion. I remember one time, um when Shade Monroe was coaching us, he took us up to Bannockburn before a match and was like, we're just going to go through this and have the whole, you know, one side of you are going to be like the Scottish Army, one side you're going to be the English Army. And learning that, like, that, kind of, that history does help, but a lot of it is, it's more focusing on yourself. I know everyone says like, you know, focus on yourself, result will take care of itself, whatever. But that's the only thing you can control is how people, how individuals, so how the individuals will perform and how the team and the units will perform. So you go in with like certain goals of like, you know, a certain amount of penalties or, you know, how your conversion rate is going to be if you enter the 22. And those little things that you can measure is probably a lot of things you're going to focus on is just themselves. A lot, obviously we'll look at key players and be kind of a bit like, okay, how can we target this one? How can we maybe take this one at the game or whatever and, and negate their ability to jackal, for example. But a lot of it is very much, right, let's just keep it squad only. And then, you know, let's just, be as competitive as possible for as long as possible um but yeah i think like you say it's it is annoying when every time we're just kind of like oh it's a journey everyone's getting better we're getting closer to england but like you say now basically every six nations team now has these contracts it is now about the world this gap is going to keep getting closer and closer and closer and it's to the point where you know what we're pretty much on an, an even playing field here it is now down to who is the best individual players how, 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 I'm 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 quite amazed at at, at times and, and 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 this how how does this work in, in in your head then because I'm really interested because obviously Scotland captain mm-hmm. um try so you've got let's let's forget about the trying to become the athlete that you've become trying to maintain that level of 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 um athleticism your skills trying to continue to continue continue to keep your skills at that level then you've got captaincy on your shoulders as well and everyone's looking to you and 
not only that, but you've got the coaches looking to you because you're the captain. And then you've got your job. How, how does how did how did that work, Lisa? Because I, and, and I'm not meaning that in any sort of any any derogatory way. I just how did that work? Because it must have been. I wouldn't want to be in your head. Your your head must have been pulled in several different directions. Uh, yeah, it was of a difficult time. Like I, I've actually spoken to a few um, a couple of the male, male players about it before. And they're like, oh, I'd love to have your life, have a job and stuff. I was like, absolutely not. Absolutely <laughs> no way, mate. Um, but it's very much, like I say, often it feels like you have to be two completely different people. So when you're work mode, you're work mode and that is it. But when you get into rugby, that's you just have to park work. Basically, the minute it gets to four o'clock, you're like, work's done, don't care. Move on mm. to rugby. But it, it, was, it was a massive juggling act, like a huge juggling act, to be honest. And it, you did get a lot of, emotional mental physical just burnout um and especially like i mean again back in my day um a lot of the girls would go from 15s straight into sevens straight into 15s again and just be on a constant cycle so we get about two weeks off two three weeks off a, a year and then you just be expected to go straight back into it again um but like you see like with the added then captaincy stuff of like well here you you're also expected to go and do all these media things You'd expect us to go down to the the Six Nations launch. You were then basically you had zero holidays for work because all your holidays were taken for going to camp or going to do all your stuff. And you often try and have to sneak a little bit of like rugby chatting during work. Sorry, Claire Cook, thanks. Um, <laughs> thanks for giving me a job. It was great. Um, but yeah, like you would have to kind of put stuff in where you could. But yeah, like I say, it did take a lot out of you emotionally mentally physically because you're having to not only pick yourself up after games or celebrate games or whatever but you're having to do the same with everyone else too and then have the chats with the coaches of like here okay we're worried about this player okay let's can you have a chat with this player because they want to know about this and you're having to kind of you're basically in a way you're a bit it was a bit like i was at school and like working for school hard knocks in a way because it was a bit like like talking to like mentoring with like the players to then go and tell the coaches oh here by the way um, they're a bit worried about this. Can you have a bit more of a chat about this? Or if you're not selecting them, can you please let them know or whatever? So it was, yeah, it was. A, there was a lot of plates spinning at the same time, and a couple of them ended up smashing. But you live and you learn. I, that was such a prop question, though, Craig. How do you cope with thinking about more than push? <laughs> <laughs> and and an old prop as well. It was, I know. It's like it's like all I did. All I, all I really did was stand around and watch as. As the backs trained, so I, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's, uh, yeah. I, I, I I'm, I'm not. Listen, I, I like. I'm a basic guy. I've got basic questions, Cammy. <laughs> Lisa, I just, just on, on that. Did you find it easy because you played obviously centre and and fly half? Was it easier to be captain when you were at centre than fly half, or did it not really make much difference in terms of your on on field? You know, most people would expect the fly half's got more to think about than a centre, but I don't know if that's actually true or not. Um. To be honest, it didn't really make too much of a difference because I think it helped playing both because being a fly half, I knew what like I knew what I wanted to hear from a centre. So when I moved to centre, I was a bit like, well, I know what a fly half wants to hear. So I kind of basically like, I'll try and take as much stress off them as possible because fly half is literally, basically sometimes the game just is underpinned by what you do and your decision and your, your reading of the game. So I tried, when I was at centre, I tried to take as much stress and as much kind of, um, decision making where possible off the 10 and just give them loads of options to choose from but I didn't really think in my head it never really made a difference because I just kind of played it the same way and I was also still close enough to the referee that I could have a wee chat um, so it didn't really in my head it didn't really make much of a difference because you're still you're in or around the action so you're still close enough to the scrum to try and have a chat about what's happening uh, but then you're still got all the like you're still kind of in the mix of things with the backs as well so you kind of yeah, I think 10 or 12 is like the ideal position to be a captain, in my head, anyway, because, yeah, you're so close to either side of it. It's really good to hear that. I think we can take that off where for Johnny McGinty, Craig, that fullbacks don't make good captains because they know any other referee. We've, yeah. It's a long debate yeah. we've had on this this podcast, Lisa. <laughs> and we'll, we'll, we'll quite happily tell Johnny um, exactly that. <laughs> um, looking ahead to the tournament, I think one of the, I suppose it's the, it's disappointing in a way, but understandable that 
the GB sevens players are unavailable, and not not just for Scotland. Obviously, there's some some big names missing for for the likes of you know we've got Jazz Joyce missing for Wales, for example. That feels at least a little bit of a missed opportunity tournament wise. Of a kind of it's an opportunity for a domestic audience to see some of these players playing, but but at the same time, you know, obviously the GB sevens is it's it's a, a huge opportunity to go and play you know really high intensity competitive rugby at the same time. Do you, do you think it's a it's a miss or do you? Do you see it more as a kind of an opportunity for the the, the the players to go and get some experience in the seventh circuit? I think it's a huge opportunity. I mean, you, you've seen it long enough now, like going all the tournaments and stuff. And obviously I know Hong Kong's coming up, but I think my understanding is actually the girls are available for selection for some of the games later on in the tournament. Um, so I think it's only maybe a couple that they're potentially missing out on. And I know Ireland did similar um, last year. They they had a lot of their sevens girls playing for the majority of the tournament. And I think it was the last one or two games where they were unavailable for selection. But I think it's a huge opportunity for these girls. I mean, all honestly, I'm massively jealous. I mean, you look at the series and it looks great fun. I mean, Dubai, Singapore, Hong Kong. I mean, sign me up where possible. Um, but I think it's a massive opportunity because, again, the players that are out there, like Shona, Lisa and Rona from a, a Scottish perspective, um, their skills are going to be so honed in terms of because on a sense pitch there is literally no hiding place. You can't, you know, if you make a bit of a shocking pass or whatever, you're you're going to get found out because it can't really be anybody else's fault. Um, but I think it's a massive opportunity, guys, and the experiences they're going to have through the training, games, skills in general, being able to bring that back into this one environment, I think, is just going to add another level and add a different edge. Um, for if and when these guys are going to be available to play in the Six Nations. Yeah, speaking of kind of competitive edge, I guess we, we've got to look ahead to the tournament, the rest of the tournament now, and, and, and how it might pan out for Scotland. Craig, do you want to, what what would, I guess the, the question we always ask when, when it comes to the start of a tournament, which I think is a fair one, is what what would, for you, would, would reflect a good tournament for Scotland at the end, at the end of all of this? Um... For for me, just looking at because obviously we've got we've got three home games this this year, which is a massive plus, um, and our crowds are getting bigger and bigger now as well. So I think um, hopefully the team can really use their their home advantage. So looking at well, we've got what we've got Wales at home. I would like to see us, you know, looking at last year's Wales game, it was. A, a close, a very close affair, and I think we just unfortunately missed, lacked a, a little bit of finishing, um, or a little bit of um, a bit of finishing and a little bit of um, what's the word? Um, our, our catch and pass, and, and and maybe our kicking just let us down a little bit. So hopefully that's been worked on, you know, through camp, etc. And and I think if that all comes together, we've got a very good. Good, you know, opportunity to beat Wales. I think um, Ireland is the same. I think we've got the opportunity to to um, to uh, beat Ireland as well. Um, and then Italy. And for me, I think Italy are one of those teams that um, are very much like the 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 old French team, um, where you don't know which France is turning up. And I think with Italy, you don't know which Italy's going to turn up. If the, if the good Italy comes along, then we're going to have a game on our hands. If the the bad Italy comes along, then we might find that uh, that we've got a very good opportunity to beat them. So I, I think if we can if we can do some damage with our home games, I think we've I think we really I think we've had a good tournament. And and Lisa, if you what what do you think a successful tournament would would look like for Scotland? I think the same as what Craig's saying. I think you're always going to target your home games as victories, especially when it's um, obviously the way you've got it in terms of Wales, Ireland and, and Italy. You're going to be really targeting those ones as wins and winnable games. Um, and in terms of your your France and, and England, it is, again, let's say it's more performance-based rather than result-based, I feel. Because um, also we know these guys are, are so, are, are still ahead of us. I mean, there's no denying that these guys are still ahead of us with regards to the whole professionalised aspect of it and, and league styles and everything like that. Um, I think it's closing that gap. I think that's going to be the key for those two. But yeah, I think 
three victories, I think, is is what they're looking for. I would say, and I think it'd be a pretty successful, um, like Six Nations for those guys. Okay, well, that's the, that's a, we've we've that's our preview of of the TikTok Six Nations. Uh, we'll be following it throughout the tournament. This that'll be our kind of predominant uh, topic of conversation on the main podcast. Um, Lisa, you're welcome to stay around for the next bit because we, we're going to we've we've got a, a Six Nations to review that's just happened. Speaking of Italy and how things have gone, um, we're also joined now by John Anderson. Hello, John. It's Good evening, ladies and jelly beans. <laughs> we're looking away in the bottom there, John. Hello, Hello. John. Oh, I was I was in the green room. It was I felt so so good. You have a virtual biscuit and a cup of tea in the green room. I've, I've um, some crunchy rocks. <laughs> God, that'll help. That'll help the sound quality. <laughs> did you put them? Did you put them in the microwave before you ate them, John? That's the key thing. No, so like, these these are not microwavable chocolates. What? That's, uh, what would do you mean? Put them in the you, microwave. Um, which, well, you, Craig, you went. I don't think you, you missed this discussion. Lisa, would you microwave a toffee crisp before you eat it? Go on, Lisa. I, yes. I wouldn't eat a toffee crisp to start with, if I'm being blunt, with you. <laughs> You'll have a lot of. <laughs> you're not. You're not alone in that. You're not alone in that feeling. There, there were very strong feelings of toffee crisps when we discussed this. Anyway, Lisa, I've literally <laughs> kicked people off this podcast for less. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to mention my comments on what I think about crunchies either. So it's all right. <laughs> <laughs> we'll not. We'll, we'll wait. We'll get you back on, and we'll talk about ripples. Anyway, <laughs> I came across a twirl, a twirl extra the other day. Oh, so what was extra about it? It's, it's, it's longer. Like, uh, oh, right. No. Come on, look at me. Do I look like I, I, I want a standard twirl? Of course, I want an Can extra. You imagine twirl. if look a twirl up. extra was to give you an extra twirl, like 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 just one three fingers. More. That's just a yeah. that's just a max. I thought, oh, I thought you were meaning an extra packet. That's just a multi-pack. We'll get, we'll get, we'll get. Listen, we'll get into my thoughts on the the on, on bonus bonus chocolate bars in the Patreon. We've got we've got Six Nations to review anyway. We do. Yes. Um, John, um, yes. I was at the game on Sunday. You were, yes. Um, they, which they, which they, my dad, they, my dad rather. My dad Did described they... as the the worst game of uh, the worst Scotland performance he'd ever seen, and he's seen games under Frank Haddon, which I thought was I, I didn't that was a fair assessment from my dad. To be fair, <laughs> um, there is the reason I don't have him on the podcast. However, it overall I think it was a it was a tournament John that started with 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 a lot of promise. It's kind of petered out, and I, I think I've spent the last week thinking. Is is it is that a good thing? And that there are issues now that can are fixable and can be fixed, and and that have come out now before the World Cup, or are these the same problems kind of rearing the head again further down the line? And I'm and I'm and I and I can't decide. I, I left thinking I don't think I, I, these are the same problems, but I've, yeah. after a few days, I'm more on the side of I think there I think these are fixable things. Yeah. I mean, what what I was going to say is it's not fizzled out, it's Townsend out. You know, the the actual... Right, we're at a situation now where a lot... We we had this massive bump, right? And we had this... It's almost like he picked the right players and he, he got a performance. And almost as the tournament progressed, almost as they were exposed to more Townsend the performance declined and we, we went into our heads and we, that Italy game was a shambles. Like, let, let, let's not, let's not sugarcoat it. Yes, it's a, like, the, the record book will show a bonus point victory at Murrayfield against Italy. That Italian team were terrible. And they've had progress during the Six Nations, but they were really, really poor. And we, as a team, delivered a shambolic performance. One of the worst performances I've seen from Scotland in three or four years. Ah, I think you're completely wrong. No, well, that's completely because you wrong. are... Are you, are you what, more what, glass what, what, half what full you? about this thing, Craig? What, what, I, what's going on? For, for me, and, and but this is a... this is And Lisa, you've got into the middle of a conversation here now because this is a conversation that we have regularly about Italy... <laughs> And the Italian teams and Scottish teams, I, I do I do not agree. I think that yes, hold on, I have a small bit of agreement with you, John, because there were some there were there were issues, and we had some issues. Where 
I think people are having their issues is the fact that Italy are very strong in the forward pack. They they do not allow you to play your free your, your ball well um, in the ruck. They were defending fairly well to not as well as they have done, but they were defending fairly well. Um, I think also uh, you've got to remember that um, I think the nine, I've forgotten the nine's name, because it, it wasn't Vardy. Um, uh, through first, two, first goal, yeah, first well, the first, the first pass he absolutely gubbed would have been a try or would have, was very close to being a try. Um, and then the next, the ne- immediately, I think it was just afterwards, he, he, he threw it again he, and, and, and threw it away again. So they are, as as we've talked about, they are very, very close to performing to us and, and they've done so um, against Wales. So, yes, we we didn't perform as, as well as we have done, but I think that, I think Italy have got, should deserve more of the plaudits rather than us throwing it away. There's no way Scotland get those points. I'll let you come in in a second, Kim. There's no way Scotland 10 years ago get those points. Scotland were a shambles 10 years ago. Italy are at that stage. They are a team progressing, but everyone's progressing. There's no way. There's there's three good players in that Italy team, one of whom is out injured. We should have been putting 40 points in that team if we are serious about being a top league team. I, 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 I think they're in the Vern Cotter phase anyway. Lisa, I really do. The interesting thing about this tournament is look at, looking back on it. I think if you'd said at the start, Scotland will finish third, and and we'll we'll all we'll we'll be in it in the third week. You know, we'll, we'll even be in it going into the the fourth game. We'll, there'll still be a chance of of winning the tournament. That there was still a chance, kind of even going a mathematical chance of being second going into the last game. I think we would have bit, you know, any any Scotland fan would have bitten your hand off for that at the start of the tournament. I think what looking back on it, maybe what the frustration is is that the France game was a was a, a completed line out away from a win. The 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 Ireland game was a a second half half performance and maybe a bit more clinical. Um, you know, balls got a few balls going to hand and not going forward away from pushing Ireland close, and the, and the Italy and Italy gave us a scare. And all, and all of those things feel like they, they're maybe in within Scotland's gift to control. Is that fair, do you think? Uh, yeah, I think so. I think, yeah, like with this tournament being so front-heavy in terms of the, the teams we're playing, obviously starting up against England, getting that victory straight off there, pushing Ireland pretty close as well. Let's like say with the second half, we're basically kind of just self-imploded in, in a way. But I think, yeah, it's, uh, it's always hard being a Scotland fan watching a six nations because you're but like you have such high expectations and then it's just like meh to finish with but i still think there are so many good things that have come out of it in terms of like seeing hugh jones back seeing how he's worked with sione like for my biggest frustration for a number of years is how like how little creativity we have in the centers you have finn who is majestic is the only way I can really describe him. He's a Ken's dream, right? But then we've outside of that, you're a bit like, meh, meh, meh. And then you've got Doohan. So you're a bit like, that middle bit has always been a bit of a concern. Whereas now it feels like, actually, we are... I mean, you look at Warren Gatlin's, like, Lions 15 from um, the end of that, and you've got Sione and Hugh and all that are in the mix. That would have, that would never been the case before. Um, but yeah, I think there's a lot of... There's huge things we can take of it. And yeah, obviously we're going to be super critical in terms of, yeah, we should have been better against Italy because Italy were shocking. But then it's often quite hard to play against shocking teams because sometimes you're a bit like, not expecting it, but like, okay, why are you not doing what we thought you were going to do? And that's, again, that's often why it's so difficult to play against Italy because like you said before, we've got no idea what Italy's going to turn up. So you've maybe prepared for like the Italy that's like pushed all these teams close and whatever. And then they turn up and you're just kind of like, oh, so you've gone back three years for this game. Um, but yeah, I, I think that there are plenty of good things we can take from the, this working towards the World Cup, but there's definitely still a, a number of things that we kind of need to address and look at going into what can only be described as the pool of death. Yeah. Because we can't get away with a performance like that against anyone, really, when we're going to be going into France. So. He's Craig, and I don't, I'm, I'm going to come to you on this. I 
I didn't see enough of Ben Healy. I thought he had a good game. From, from where I was sat, and I haven't watched the whole game back, I've watched the highlights. From where I was sat, he did well. <laughs> While I thought Blair Kinghorn filled in, I, and I know he scored three tries, I thought he filled in adequately. But I think the worry is still that if after Finn Russell, unless Adam Hastings is fit, there is a there is a drop off in terms of how Scotland play, and I'm not I'm not saying that that that, that makes means that Blacking on is not a good ten because I think he is. It's just the the, the level and and the, the speed and the way that the Scotland play, we seem to do better. I think with it with an Adam Hastings or a Finn Russell than when we try something different. I, I'll go back and I'm going to do it again. I'm going to repeat myself that I've been repeating myself over and over and over and over and over and over and over again on this podcast. Blair Kinghorn is all the 10 that Edinburgh has needed at this point in time. Ben Healy will provide and what he showed on the weekend, and I'm looking forward to seeing on the Edinburgh shirt, yeah. is a little bit less... Um, a little bit more of a um, a controller on the pitch. Um, he's going to have. Uh, he seems to have a good rugby mind. He knows what he's doing. He's comfortable. But what we have to, I, 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 what people have to, and, and what when I get annoyed about Blair Kinghorn and what people are saying about Blair Kinghorn, Blair Kinghorn has has absolutely done what he was supposed to do in this tournament. He's come on. He's an he's an, an, a phenomenal athlete to be able to cover the positions that he has covered for Scotland. He has done an incredibly good job, and I'm going to say what John and what Johnny have been saying on a regular basis in a Scotland shirt. He is a 15, and he has he has come on board and he shows an incredibly um, s- strong performance at 15 as a Scotland player. However, and I've said this before again, and I'm going to try not to be on my, my horse, uh, on my high horse about this. He offers a completely different game to Finn Russell at 10. And what I love about that is the fact that, you know, two of his tries, that all three of his tries were, were different tries, but he, what I liked was the fact of he, he, for the first two tries, he bullied his way through. He took a soft shoulder, got broke through. He could have passed the ball on and scored a little bit further out, but maybe he was more, more worried about the kick, the kicking duties and wanted to be a bit closer to, closer to the post. But he he is a completely different 10. And, and if pe- teams like Italy, who are maybe not prepared for that, they've been preparing for Finn Russell and looking for long passes out, etc., looking for flat passes, etc. They're not expecting the ten to take on the soft shoulder, and he did a very, very good job. And I'm, uh, I, um, but Ben Healy, I think is I'm more excited about Ben Healy for for Edinburgh than I am for Scotland at this moment in time because I haven't seen enough of him in a, 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 a international level. But um, I, I think um, I think Blair Kinghorn did a, a very, very good job throughout the tournament. We're coming towards the end of the the main podcast now, and I just want to kind of get some some final thoughts on on this Six Nations. Um, Lisa, for for you, can you, what do you think that was a a good Six Nations for Scotland, and, and what was your kind of standout highlight? I would say it's a good Six Nations for Scotland, yeah, because like you said before, anyone would have bitten your hand off if someone said here you're going to be in and around the mix and you're going to finish in third. Um, I think I think the highlight again go back to what I said earlier. I think was just seeing Hui Pilotu. I uh, think like that centre partnership has really blossomed, and it's exciting to see that because again, it's just providing that link of actually it makes the backline real dangerous. And that as a ten, knowing you've got that outside of you, you're like happy days. You know, creativity is going to flow off that, and people are going to be on the same wavelength. So yeah, I think. I think yeah, that centre partnership has been my my highlight of of the of the Six Nations. John, has yeah, this been I a mean, good Six Nations for Scotland? <clears throat> and what and and what's your highlight then? Has it been a good Six Nations? Yes, yes, it has. Um, it's been a good two two and a half games for Six Nations, which for Scotland is a good Six Nations. Um, I th- I totally agree. The Hugh Pelotu is just the absolute dream like it's worked better like we've only seen it a few times at glasgow and we saw it 
the, the game against the Stormers, and we went, oh my days, that is that has got potential, and no one in their right mind dreamed that Townsend was picking anyone other than Harris at thirteen, and then Jones has played all the games, and oh, I am all in for that. I love it. Um, I, I think it was a missed opportunity for Scotland. I think France, France were a team that were struggling with form. You know they were winning, but they're not. They're not the France of last year. Ireland are a relentless crushing machine, but there is a way to beat them. And I just, I just think that they'll come away from that disappointed. It's great to see that backline working. I think we still lack something up front. Richie Gray being back, the the Grenaissons is a magnificent thing as well. Um, I think we're in a good place going into the World Cup. I th- like I've been very vocal on the podcast that I, I, it's not that I don't care about the World Cup because I do. I want I want Scotland to do well, but I don't see us doing well. And I've I've called this throughout, and I think Townsend's all already out out the door anyway. So I think this is a bit of a shot to nothing, and it'll be interesting to see what we do. But um, yeah, I mean. We played brilliant. We played really, really good rugby, and it was really nice to see. And from a Glasgow bias, it was great to see lots of Glasgow players playing really, really nice. So, you know, just call it how it is. Craig, I've left you to last. I'll give you a, it's a right to reply as well to all of that. Right to reply, yeah, yeah. I think, uh, well, it, uh, for me, a um, couple of things. I think um, the Townsend, Brad Moore, um, Axis, has come in quite well. It's been it's been nice to see, um, you know, th- that influence seems to have come through. But it, you you struggle to see it was just that because obviously the the the, the two and Hugh Jones access has been phenomenal and and really, uh, you know, um, uh, that that really has shown shone a light on. We're all, almost at the point where. We're saying that Scotland's backs are better than the forwards at this moment in time, and I don't know if I can I can really set myself down with that. I'm being careful here. Um, but uh, but uh, and a big shout out to to, to Pierre Schumann because uh, you know the man is just continually impressing me all the time. Um, That's bias, Craig, and you know it. Hey, listen, v, VP Nell is, is the man as well, but I'm just saying no more about that. Um, but that's just prop love. It's just prop love, that's all it is. Um, but uh, I think, for me, I think um, Hugh Jones, um, more than anyone, has shown that the doubters out there, including me, were concerned about our defence um, when we lost Harris. And his defence has improved significantly whether that's because he went away to Quinns and he's had his opportunity at Quinns or whether he's just I, I don't know I don't know if it's just or Tua Pilotu is a better communicator and they're, and they're talking more and uh, I don't know what it is but I think um, I think he's been f- absolutely fantastic this tournament and I think um, uh, I, I think that's the most impressive part not to just agree with everyone but you know um, it's uh, it has been fantastic to see um, but also there's something else there there's a little thing there to think about and, and is this Stuart Hogg uh, Blair Kinghorn 15 thing mm. going to be oh, something yes. because that's an interesting one as well Are we going to I was, was maybe... going to say in my, my piece Craig that Blair Kinghorn off the bench was an absolute joy to watch like mm. gen- like I've obviously criticised him in the past I, I, we're not getting into whether I think he's a 10 or not um, him coming off the bench he was he was a marked step up from a 100 cap Scotland player you know Stuart Hogg's played British and Irish Lions Kinghorn was better massively better in every facet of his game We've come. We've we've talked about this before. I think this is the old Chris Cushrith of Mike Blair, Rory no, Lawson. Are they better? I think no, any no. player coming off the bench. At least I'll, I'll, I'll finish. You know, this kind of idea. I think players come off the bench with specific instructions, and those instructions are not the same instructions that are given to the players that start. Therefore, I often think the players that come off the bench are given a lot more credit 
over the people they replace just simply because they're doing a different job? Yeah, I think, yeah, I think it's some, in a way, sometimes it's easier to start. Sometimes it's easier to be on the bench because if you're on the bench, you can see the game, you can see what's happening, you can kind of figure out from there. And like you say, you get the messages on early. But when you're in the thick of it, you're often, you're very much blinkered about, okay, this is all I can see. Um, but I think coming off the bench, you can see he makes a point of difference because, like you say, he's so athletic, but yet he still has that game management of the experience of being at Ted at club level and at an international level, which again, gives them another access to play from. So they actually have then two full playmakers on the pitch, which so you can play both sides of the rock, which then makes defences be like, okay, right, where the hell, what the hell is going to happen? And it means we can distribute so much better. But yeah, it's, it's hard as, as an older player, like it is hard when youngsters come in and then they seem to be doing so much better than you. But it's then a case of like, you just change up your game. So yeah, all you used to be this, like electrifying, like we just run through gaps, you know, we've seen like all the try highlights of, of, you know, through the years. But now you look at actually what else has he brought to his game and how has he changed up to still be fresh. And I think that's a big thing is like, it's hard to hard to compare both of them because they bring two completely different things, in my opinion. Um, Blair is this running, hard running, will find the gaps sort of 15, which Hoggy's maybe, he's more like you're settled, okay, like we, we just know what's going to happen. We know what's going to happen. You can be relatively consistent. Um, does does Stuart yeah. Hogg do the basics, though? Does he do the basics of a fullback now as an older fullback? He always got away with some of the basics that maybe he lacked in his game mm-hmm. with the electrifying breaks. Does he do the basics well enough to be the starting 15 for Scotland? It depends what you're looking for from your 15, really. Um, I would say he does. and he also It's hard because also he brings that experience and that captaincy head and adds to that leadership thing which when you're kind of got these younger players coming in so like your Ben Whites and stuff and and people around that sometimes you need someone who is pretty sure at the back so you can kind of like here I can just let them go on with it because I don't have to basically handle them but yeah it's it's hard I think to kind of say it, it very much depends what they're looking for from the 15 to be completely honest but I think I think he's done enough to be part to be still in around there but I think uh, this these summer tests we've all got warm-up ones I think are going to be really key as to see which way they decide to go with things to be honest yeah lovely I'm going to close it off there for this section of the podcast we will no doubt continue this debate Craig and John on the Patreon podcast um Lisa thank you very much for joining us this evening we will no doubt have you back on again throughout the TikTok Six Nations. You're very welcome. Come Happily. Back on again. Happily. Thanks One- for having me, guys. Wonderful. Thank you very much. Um, listen, we'll be back. For, for anybody that's listening on the normal podcast, we will be back next week. Um, normal time, probably Wednesday, Thursday. Just keep an eye out on Twitter and stuff as to, as to when that is. Uh, we'll have a full review of the England game and we'll be looking ahead to the other games. Right now, um, if you are watching live on the Patreon, we'll carry on with our Patreon broadcast. And if you're a Patreon, you can download the bonus podcast afterwards as well. But for the moment, it's goodbye from me and goodbye from Craig, John and Lisa. Bye. Bye. Bye, Trips.